fire podcast we are finally into august nick and jp we're going to talk a little football we're going to do a little getting to know each other man as if we weren't friends for the past 15 years but still some things to learn and to uh you know engage with the audience a little bit jp how's it going man it's going good i guess it's just you guys getting to know us there it is Putting well, honestly, I think I'm about to learn quite a bit about you because, you know, as many times as we've bro down, maybe uh, these little questions will uh, tease some things out. But yeah, projecting who Nick and JP are besides the fantasy geniuses. But uh, before we get into to asking each other some random ass questions, man, as we said last time, doing these once a week pods means that lots of shit has gone down in the fantasy world, unfortunately. Training camp just started, dude. It it just started, and people are already getting hurt. People are already getting out for multiple months. And and there's also a lot of talk about little ticky-tacky stuff that, you know, Hollywood Brown has a little hamstring or something that he's sitting out a couple days for. If If that develops into anything serious, we'll talk about it. But I'm basically choosing to ignore all of the small stuff until, I mean, I guess if you're doing live drafts now, best balls, and you're putting money on the line, I guess those little pieces of news tick them down one draft spot or something like that. But ultimately, I'm waiting on legitimate concerns about they're going to miss time, which unfortunately, we already have some of those players Starting with Carson Wentz, man, um, had a little started off with a little foot sprain just a couple days ago, and that has already morphed into he's going to go get surgery. You know, Colts quarterback, and he's getting like a he's actually getting a foot bone removed, which sounds oh, absolutely god. It sounds uh, absolutely disgusting. <laughs> A. I mean, so so what this team is is kind of a mess at this point, right? What are we drafting Jonathan Taylor any differently? It's it's harsh because Jonathan Taylor was already it, he was a player that I was I was putting basically right there with Zeke in the middle of the the middle of the first round, which I think on a pod glass podcast or one ago, I was like, I just don't feel great about it, man. It feels like you're, he feels like he should really be in that Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler spot, but I don't know. I was just, I was so excited by the upside um, that maybe those two players didn't have, but now it's, it's harsh, man, because the, the offensive line is still very, very good. And and Carson Wentz, honestly, like, were we hoping that he was he had a rebirth? Sure. But the last we saw him, like, he was a backup quarterback, man. I hate to say that, but his skill set was not an NFL caliber quarterback. And so, um, you know, moving to their their legitimate backup, who they're – I guess they're going to have kind of – uh, I don't think um, – looks – 
Jacoby Prissett ran the scout team offense. So it looks like their fourth round pick, Jacob Eason, is going to get the first call to the plate, but they got Brett Hundley from the Packers. So there's, it looks like there's going to be a little QB camp, but ultimately Carson. So Carson Wentz's injury, it said it could be out from five to 12 weeks, which at its worst, 12 weeks being three months. I mean, you're looking at late October, early November. So that is really brutal, but I, I don't know. I guess I guess if we were drafting right now, I would probably take Eckler over Jonathan Taylor, but I would I would probably take Jonathan Taylor over Antonio Gibson. So I think he slots kind of right there in the mid-second round. How about you, man? Where, where, you probably don't yeah. get him in, um, unless you're like, Reaching for Eckler past. No, Eckler is kind of that like perfect, um, like last pick of the 12th, a uh, first round. You know, when you're at the 12th seed, whoever you want to do at that turn, you know, if you want to clump Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey or whoever at that turn with, with Eckler, if you want to, if Chubb is there doing a double running back, that's, that's kind of where I have been seeing Eckler as that end of the first, early second. So he's, so I'd see Jonathan Taylor happening at like the two oh three somewhere in there, and if if I don't get him there, that's that's fine. But but where are you at on him? Yeah, I'm just not taking him where mm-hmm. where he's going. If he if he was on the same if he was on the board with Antonio Gibson, where are you going? Oh, I'll take him over Antonio Gibson. Eckler. I don't know. I guess. You, you take JT. Are, that's not, but those seem like. Uh, so in what I've been seeing, Eckler is a second rounder. Yep. And JT is a first rounder. So when it's time yeah. to take Eckler, I'm taking like. I'm really looking for like Calvin Ridley. Or something right. Like oh, okay. Huh. Well, that that might be just more draft strategy, but. These things like this Carson Wentz news, I think, like, dude, injuries always take longer than the most wishful thinking, right? Like, this is going to, you know, it's early August. Come draft season in late August, early September, um, Carson Wentz is still going to be sitting and recovering, and people are going to be starting to get really scared. So I could, I think JT is going to start slipping back and back and back, but we will talk more as the time comes. Um, I don't think either of us were really in on T.Y. Hilton or Michael Pittman. I, I think there was a time where maybe I would have taken Pittman as a random flyer in best ball, but those days have clearly uh, passed, and they're mm-hmm. just complete stayaways, right? Like, there's no chance. Yeah, no yeah. way. I mean, I had, I think in some, like a couple of my best balls, I had snagged Mo Alley-Cox as like a last-round tight end, but – that's dead. So, yeah, I mean, the whole offense sputters for sure. I think I think what keeps JT alive is not only that offensive line, but that defense should be very, very strong. So he should – they should stay in the games. They should get decent field position for him. And 
again, you know, it's not like the season is over. Carson Wentz will come back hopefully at the worst halfway through the season. So it's, it's not all terrible, but we, we know that the most important weeks are those first few weeks. And if you're off to a slow start, you know, you start to get down, you start to make some bad trades, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, that's going to be a tough, tough place to draft him for sure. So that was the big news. Um, I think on our last pod, Aaron Rodgers, the news had basically broken that he was, he was going to stay. Um, but he officially, he officially restructured his contract to be just a one year contract. So it voids the 2022 and he basically can go sign wherever he wants for, for no real issue with the Packers. So he's going to do his one year. And if I don't know, they, they trade uh, Jordan love away and make space for him, he'll stay. But otherwise, I mean, it's like 99% they'll be gone next year. But exciting to have him back for sure. We're all, I'm sure you have already seen Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones and, of course, Aaron Rodgers himself just shooting up the draft board since this news. Yeah. Are and you – He he won't be back no. yeah. um, next year. Uh, after his little um, rant at the media, at the podium. Yeah. I, I, I missed it. So did he – did he go a little crazy? Yeah. Um, there's some says he doesn't want to be a lame duck quarterback. Ooh. Says uh, he basically that he wants to be at the table when when it's coming to deciding when like what to draft and stuff wow. like that. I mean, and, it was good. Sorry. And, and he said that his favorite, his second favorite wide receiver at training camp last year got cut for some I reason. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that on the footballers. I did hear that. That's kind of funny. And to make up for that, they go and spend a sixth rounder on Randall Cobb's old broken ass, which is, uh, I was saying on the last pod, if that actually happens, that all of my shares of MVS um, might come tumbling down. But, but I'm honestly hoping that that was more of just like a, a little treat, like an olive branch to Randall Cobb, just like to help him out of Houston and to come back. I, I'm hoping that MVS is still somehow the two or at least has some best ball, you know, usable weeks. But um, yeah, so the so Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones, they're both and I think moving into the first round, are you grabbing those pieces or are they, have they become a little too rich for your blood at this point? Um, I think Devante is a juicy first pick. Clear number one wide receiver. I love, on, yeah. I love when someone forces me to take him. Like, where, oh, where would be I like a, is it like, so just to kind of play the the rounds a little bit. So Devontae Adams or Zeke? That's really the question. That's that's the one too, right? Like because Zeke also kind of get pushed, sometimes get pushes to like the 106, 107, and it's like, oh Zeke is there. Like he's the last kind of sure thing at running back, right? But 
Devontae well, Adams. I'm taking, presents. Uh, I think I'm taking, I think I might be taking Kelsey over Adams. Kelsey over Adams, I think is, I think, he, I think if that's the case, I think you'll be able to find Kelsey wherever you want. Cause I think he's going to at least three or four picks behind, right? Like I think Kelsey's probably moved to the one ten and one eleven or so. Adams. I, I, haven't like the I, I haven't seen that at all. Oh yeah. People are rabid for Kelsey. Wow. Okay. So you'd go, you'd go what? Zeke, Kelsey, Devonte. They're all just floating. They're all right there. In this it's, all, area. It's, all, it's all kind of like, what's your, what's your mood that day? They're all just hanging out. I think I'm, I'm think I'm firmly on Zeke, but again, that, that could just be my bias towards running back. Like I'm just so harsh towards running back that, um, but I, I absolutely see the the pathway. I mean, Devonte Adams got me to the ship last year on his 18 or whatever touchdowns. It was just ridiculous. So he is an absolute monster and uh, it'll be very interesting because clearly Devonte Adams, you know, he's, he's free to head out next year as well. And, but he's going to demand the highest paying wide receiver contract. So can a team really spend, can they really get both of those pieces? Like, that would be insane. You would have to have so much cap, but uh, I don't mind Devonte Adams. But I don't. I just don't think that I'll get those pieces because I want to go running back. But but Aaron Jones, I think, is very very enticing. I honestly haven't thought about it too much, but I I think he isn't he kind of squeaking in right ahead of Nick Chubb at this point. Yeah, I guess so. I'm. I love. It. Aaron Jones. I don't even know whether I should like him or Zeke better. It is. It is. I was. I was just about to say like AJ Dillon scares me, but Tony Pollard should probably scare you just about the same. Um, so, yeah, they seem both on incredibly potent offenses. I guess AJ Dillon scares me a little more. Yeah, he probably should. He's he's a higher. He's a better talent for sure. But. Um, I guess I'd probably, I guess it's, I guess it's Zeke Aaron Jones, but I think Aaron Jones slots above the Nick Chubb and, and Eckler uh, role. And then Aaron Rodgers himself, I think, um, wh- where are you seeing him? Is he, is he even close to the Kyler's and Josh Allen's or is he still back with the, I mean, kind of in his own little tier there and kind of like the late six. Has he is he firing up draft boards or is he still is pretty that, reasonable? Is, yeah, I mean people are drafting him like he's gonna play. Is is the sixth? Is that before Brady and Tannehill? Yeah, I think I, I'd say Brady and Tannehill are like eighth. And then I mean Jalen Hurts has been in the seventh, but he's more back behind Tom Brady as well. So Seems like Aaron Rodgers is kind of in his own little tier. Maybe with Dak and Russell Wilson is kind of that seventh rounder. And I think, man, Aaron Rodgers or Dak? I know you love Dak, but. Oh, I'm definitely taking Dak. Dak has, I think they said he had a little shoulder tenderness and he's coming off that catastrophic injury. So, man, it's it's tough. I, I know Dak is probably higher upside, but. Golly, uh, I, I probably honestly won't get either of them. I think I'm probably either going to grab my number one in Kyler or I'm just going to wait. Uh, I don't, I'm okay on the, the middling rounds, but um, 
Other news, uh, Nick Chubb, we, we mentioned him quite a bit. He did just get a three-year extension um, to solidify him at the Cleveland, with the Cleveland Browns. I mean, he is one of the best pure runners in the league, and that's very exciting to see him be rewarded. I don't think it, this extension moves any needle. I mean, I was projecting him to be, you know, the clear number one with Kareem Hunt being the number two. I, I don't see it as a 1A, 1B, really. Maybe in terms of fantasy points, um, Kareem Hunt can almost, you know, show some merit as a RB2 just because of his pass catching and touchdowns. But I think Nick Chubb will be the first option, second option, hopefully sometimes even the third option in the run game. But um, really exciting for him. He's definitely up there with me. Like I would, I, I flirt with Nick Chubb with, with, to be honest, with any of the wide receivers, with Devontae, with, I'm just so, so bullish on running backs, but uh, exciting for him. And then we really talked the Michael Thomas news ad nauseum last time. So I think that was about it. Did you hear of anything else? I mean, it's been a, every week feels long and I just, a lot of it gets lost in the news, to be honest. A lot of it's pretty small. I think we covered the big stuff, though. I think we did, too. So let's dive in, man. Let's get to know the Nick and JP, the Waiver of Wire, the Waiver of Fire podcasters. Let me, uh, let me start with my... Do you, so, you know, obviously, as you answer some of these questions, I'll, I'll chirp in as well. Um, do you want to trade blow for blow, or do you want me to go through my questions and then swap to you afterwards? We'll, we'll, we'll just go on down, and we'll both talk about each question. That sounds good, man. We'll we'll just interview each other at the same time. So so let's talk. Let's start a little bit with sports um, because this is supposed to be a sports show. Um, so who is your favorite athlete of all time? Any sport, any age, could be dead or alive. Favorite athlete. Um, I think it's Bo Jackson. Wow. Okay. I see. I did not grow up with Bo. You grew up in Auburn. So maybe that was more part of your, your existence, but I, I moved in pretty late and didn't, but what, what is your Bo experience? Well, my parents really like him and we've got a, we have a baseball assigned by him at the house. That's badass. And, uh, you know, I think he's just so dope because he was able to play both sports, you know, mm-hmm. both pro sports. That's such a balling thing to do. Um, to be able to play baseball in the baseball season and football in the football season. And I, I think guess- on top of that, like to be such a great guy, right? Like to, to not necessarily like fade from the spotlight, but to just, you know, nowadays, like what he like, he does like bow hunting and um, like supports the university and does charity bike riding and stuff. Like he's just a great human being too. Yeah. I think, I think Bo Jackson's a fantastic answer. I honestly wish I had more connection with uh, the old 34. I do have a monstrous poster of him. That uh, if we move this podcast to, if we start making some videos, it'll definitely make its appearance. So um, clear Auburn lineage and, and great moments there. It's just uh, a little a little before my time, I guess, to feel completely connected. Mine would actually be Rafael Nadal. I think he was at his peak, and of course, he's still 
very, very good. But Nadal was like at his peak of tennis when I love tennis the most. And he just had some of those matches that just absolutely wowed me and his grit and strength and, and uh, game, like his style is, is so amazing. And it was so new at the time and it revolutionized tennis that I'm a huge, huge Nadal fan. I think sometimes he's, he's a bit of an asshole, like on court and off court. And I, I don't really like that, but that's, you know, extreme pressure and stress and expectations I can't really fault him, but uh, absolutely love Nadal. He's he's definitely my favorite of all time. I, I wish it was honestly. I wish it was a NFL player or a baseball player, but because those are sports that I'm more into now. But I just uh, didn't grow up with those personal connections. So, how about uh, favorite sports team name or mascot? You don't actually have to like the team, but what's a what's a team name that you like and or mascot? I really don't know. I mean, I know that you're more of a fantasy fan than an actual sports fan. So that, that kind of puts you on the spot a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I know a lot of mascots and um, I think that it's pretty funny. Um, what is it? Stanford, the trees. Oh, I did not know that. Is that Isn't the Stanford that trees? Isn't that that's stupid? In, that's incredible. Have you seen it? I have not seen it. That is that is fantastic. I'm going to have to look that up for sure. Well, I would say, well, good. I I think it's worth looking up right now if you're. Uh, I'm doing so right now, dude. Wow. Get, just type in Stanford trees. Wow. And then those. Go to images. It's like a different uniform, like. All those the time, like the different. The, well, those are the ones from over the years. That is exceptional, dude. Some of these are absolutely awful, but some of them are are wonderful, and I would embrace that wholeheartedly. I love that. I think there's there's also the green wave. I think that's one of them. It's so you like you like the, the weird ones. Wave. You like the the very um, uh, strange ones. I guess, yeah. I can get behind that. I would say my favorite. I, mean, I don't mascot. like them. I just think that they're silly. I'm, okay. I'm interested. I would, in them. I would say my favorite mascot is definitely Aubie. Aubie just warms my heart. And I, I have many fond memories of seeing him at sporting events, you know, when I was a kid and getting pictures and stuff, and he's just always a wacky guy. And then my, even now my kids have been to events where they get to see Aubie. So Aubie is just absolutely a national treasure that I, I love very much. And then yeah, I would say know, my, I love Aubie too. yeah, Aubie, you know, national champion many times over. Love that dude. Um, and then for some reason, I don't know why, but the Chicago Cubs is one of my favorite sports. Like I guess team name, but like really just like the team itself. I don't know. The Cubs is just so charming and ah, love that one. All right. That's random. How about your favorite childhood entertainment, whether that was a specific TV uh, show, a movie or a video game that like when you think about it, it kind of didn't necessarily have to define your childhood, but you have extreme nostalgia for 
and it has a tender spot in your childhood memories. I don't know. I mean, when I was a kid, I was really into I loved Cartoon Network. I loved just watching television and stuff. Dexter's Lab. Dexter's Lab is a very nostalgic show. Definitely. Um, uh, I had a long period of time being into Pokemon as a child. For sure. So a lot of those first Pokemon, it's always nice to see. Pokemon was also my, my go-to. So when I, you know, woke up in the morning, I guess this would have been like 96 to 99 or so, like every school day before school, there was just this perfect hour of television, which was Dragon Ball Z. It, I can't remember which one was first, but it was Dragon Ball Z and then Pokemon, you know, the first generation. And it was just a delight to have every morning uh, before school. And then, of course, when Pokemon Blue and Red came out, that was like the biggest deal ever. So that was Pokemon Blue uh, and my brother got Pokemon Red. Those like ruled a couple of years of my childhood and they were like the first taste of video games. I think we had a computer that had some video games, but that was like, that was like the game where you went to school and people, kids were talking about it. Kids were bringing it to school and, you know, starting with little Squirtle felt just completely badass, evolving him to Blastoise. I've, I've, Hugely fond memories of Pokemon Blue. Did you get into the game or are you more just on the show? Oh, I mean, I had the game and I played, I didn't play the card game, but I hustled the cards. And... Were you were you a Pokemon Blue or Pokemon Red player? Or both? I'm trying to remember what the first one I got was. But I ended up owning both cartridges. Damn. Um, I think I started with red. The Charizard on the cover was was really uh, enticing, and then when gold and silver came out with Ho Oh and uh, Lugia, just oh, fantastic! Pokemon was definitely a huge thing for at least until I was like fourteen or so or whatever. It was awesome. All right, how about what about nowadays in terms of like collectibles? Um, do you, are you, a, are you big into collectibles? If so, like what specific uh, medium or product do you kind of go for? And what, what do you have as a favorite of those? Mm. I used to collect those cats. I think you've seen those. The plastic, uh, like kind of statues. Yeah. Boys, I guess you could say. Yeah. I don't, I don't collect anything anymore, really. Hmm. But I used to be into collecting uh, the soft vinyl. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm into. I've really. So I was into records for about two or three years, and then this past year, man, records have just gotten obscenely expensive. Um, it wasn't. I, I never really saw it like collecting. It was really just like getting my music to listen to that. But. Um, Man, they're they're absurdly expensive now, like forty and fifty dollars retail for, you know, regular sounding records. It's, it's gotten kind of crazy. So, 
I have recently realized that CDs actually kind of touch the same soft spot in my heart, like having just a physical piece of the music and they don't sound as good, but they still sound really good in my opinion. So I've actually gotten into CDs because man, if you go to any local thrift store, at least the ones that I've been to, there are exceptionally good CDs that people are tossing away and, you know, a dollar, $2 sometimes for very relevant and great music. And my CD collection has just exploded. And thankfully, <laughs> you know, at one fourth of the size of a vinyl record, you can have a shit ton more without the wife getting too upset. So I've been really getting into CDs recently. Um, I don't know if I have a favorite, you know, I, I have a lot of my old favorite music, but honestly, I like CDs um, to kind of explore, like listen to music that I've heard about, but never taking the time to, to listen to a full album. And one uh, record that I, or CD that I just got that I really, really like is this uh, album called White Ladder by David Gray. It's something that I had seen on, um, I think through buying records that had come up. And I never, I never got it because it was quite expensive, but I saw the CD and checked it out. It's really, really good. I would highly recommend it. It's kind of, um, it's kind of like abstract folk music in a way. Um, anyways, white ladder by David Gray, I would definitely recommend, but, uh, that's kind of what I'm collecting these days. That's cool. I remember How that. About- there you go. Oh, there you go, man. I, I am so, Babylon. I, Oh, I am so horribly ignorant, honestly, towards music. Like I know all of the historic greats. Like I was a big classic rock fan, but I, and I went through kind of a hip indie rock phase, but I'm so on the surface of everything. So it's, it's really actually almost exciting to, to have to be dumb about it because now I get to explore. Um, All right. How about if you could pick anywhere, you know, money, be gone or whatever, where would your dream either living situation or just vacation destination be? Live anywhere. Um, you know, and you can, let's just say like you're retired. I think it'd be so. nice to, I think it'd be nice to live in, uh, in like Oregon or something. Oh, in like one of, I guess the, like Portland, like one of the cities or like in the countryside. Mm. Or Washington. Mm. Just, I want to maybe up there and there's maybe some mountains or something I can be in. Yeah. From what I've seen, the pictures, you know, of that West, that Northwest coast are just so enchanting. <clears throat> it's so unlike the the coastlines we're used to with the beautiful beaches, which are obviously fantastic, but that kind of rocky and gritty coastline with the fog. And like you said, the mountains, that would be very interesting. I've only been up there for like a day or two at a time. So I've never really gotten to fully immerse myself, but I could absolutely see that being Tahoe. the case. Tahoe might be nice. Oh, I've never been to Tahoe. That that's like a big lake and mountains at the yeah. same time. Yeah, and it it's it's got like a really small window of uh, of goodness as far as weather goes. 
Oh. But I hear it's really nice. That's what's up. I think um I think if I had a choice, so for dream living, I think my favorite place that I've ever been in the world was uh Italy. So I would like to like retire over there for a while. I don't exactly know if it would work out with my lack of speaking Italian, but um man, when I was over there, it was just so special. It was so rustic and like time really slowed down there and I mean, of course, you can speed it up as much as you want. You can go to clubs and you can, you know, stay connected as much as possible. But if you want, like, you can just have your coffee and walk around towns that have so much history that I loved it so much. So that would probably be my ideal um, to live. Vacation, I still want to make it over to Hawaii at some point in my life. I think it would be really wonderful, but it's it's just... I know I said money be gone, but it's just so obscenely expensive that I don't even kind of flirt with it being an option to live over there. But uh, to visit, I would love to get to Hawaii sometime. How about, this is maybe the most random so far. How about, do you feel like you have a spirit animal? Is there an animal that kind of, you think kind of defines your personality or ambitions towards life in some ways or whatever? Mm. That might be a tough one. Yeah, I don't know. It's like a like a Native American spirit helper. Yes, exactly. Yeah, no, I'm not sure about that one. Um, I think- whenever I use, whenever I use um, emojis, I I always use the pig. So. Okay. Oh. Pigs are awesome. That's my emoji animal. That's fantastic, man. That's that's the embodiment of the modern day spirit animal is the emoji. So there you go. I can dig it, dude. That's that's good old southern tradition too right there, man. I would say uh I've honestly never thought about it and I I didn't think about answering these questions cuz I thought we'd answer each other's, but um I think thinking now I feel like I most bond with a fox. Because I think foxes are like very graceful and and so special when you see them. Like I've only seen a fox once or twice in my life, and but you know they're they're also kind of badass. I think like they're carnivores and they're you know they're just they're just cool uh, cool individuals and they also just look good, but they also feel like humble and shy in some ways. So. I have a lot of respect for the fox. I think it's a very cool animal and it's, you know, very American. So I represent that. And I had a, you know, the one time I saw it happened to be at my grandfather's house. And so that has a bit of nostalgia to me. So go with the fox. Yeah. I like to eat a lot of food and there you like go. Pigs love eating. Absolutely. I like to pig out. I mean, take a nap afterwards. To be quite honest, the pig probably resembles me more realistically, but you know, I'm shooting for ideals here, I guess. Uh, how about uh, how about recently? Have you seen some great movies or TV shows that you want to talk about for a bit? What what's been on your plate recently? Um, I don't know if we've talked about. I watched In the Heights, and that was great. Yes, you did. 
Okay. Well, that was. Hmm. Since then, let's see. I watched a modern version of a Jane Austen book. Emma. Oh, I don't think um, I've ever seen Emma. Not the one with Gwyneth Paltrow, but the right. one with Anya Taylor-Joy. Yes, I'm seeing that. It came out last year. I have not seen that. I actually haven't seen either of them. I can get behind some of the, some of the Jane Austens. I've seen uh, Sense and Sensibility and Pride and Prejudice. How was Emma? Um, it was good. No, no problem with Emma. Nice. It wasn't like amazing or anything, but I would, I would, I would not mind watching it again. Let's see, what else did I watch? I've just been slamming Letterkenny a lot. Oh yeah, watching watching Olympics. Um, loving this one American uh, hurdle. Jumper guy. Forgot his name. I haven't seen the the male hurdles. Mm. For me recently, I have watched a few movies. I talked to you off pod about I watched Skyfall, which is not the most recent James Bond, but the second to most recent in Really, really enjoyed it. I think, again, I I can't thank you enough for saying that these modern James Bonds have been were kind of lackluster because I'm going into each of them with some serious trepidation and, and they're paying off me. And I, I've been pleasantly surprised. Of course, Casino Royale is still the best, but um, but Nightfall, I mean, a Skyfall was very good, dude. I, I really enjoyed it. A um, lot of nostalgia mixed with, you know, spoofing on James getting a little older and stuff. Um, yeah, it was really strong. Good villain in that guy from um, No Country for Old Men. That villain, he he plays the villain in James Bond and very, very freaky. Like he, I think his stick is that he ate cyanide to try to kill himself as a previous spy and it didn't kill him, but it just like, pour out his innards and so he's he's all mangled up inside it's very cool i really I dig know. the whenever there's a i i found that a good villain makes the bond movies for me so that one was a spicy and then i've been diving a little bit into kurt russell's catalog because i i just love the thing so much and i was like what well, hold up Kurt Russell has worked with John Carpenter on some other stuff. Let me see what that is all about, because the thing is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I saw this movie called escape from New York, which is another movie where they paired up and it was very goofy. Have you, have you heard of escape from New York? Yeah, I think I may have seen escape from New York. Can't it be. isn't. It is an absolutely ridiculous film, but I, I was cool with it. It was certainly not the greatness of the thing, but essentially the plot is that in the future, 
Um, there's so many criminals that they just decide to make New York City a huge prison and just throw everybody to the wolves there and block it off with these massive gates or walls. And somehow the president is flying in. Um, what is it? Is it Air Force One or Delta One, Del- Delta Force One, whatever the president flies in? Um, somehow like crash lands in New York amongst all the criminals and they kidnap the president. And of course, Kurt Russell just plays this badass, like ex CIA gone rogue kind of character that they need to, uh, almost like pull some Rambo and like ask him to go and, and get the president back. And he pulls some pretty cool magic amongst this, uh, this criminal group. It was again, not fantastic, but, but just fine. And then I've also watched another Kurt Russell. I'm about halfway through uh, tombstone, which is where Kurt Russell plays Wyatt Earp in, I guess, a somewhat uh, biographical realistic film. It's pretty boring to be honest so far, but uh, I'm trying to give it the time of the day. I think I might've seen that one. It's okay. I mean, it, you know, the costumes are good. The characters are fine, but it's just, it is hella slow, but that's all right. Oh, it's got Val Kilmer. It does. And Val, Val does a pretty decent oh, job. Nice. Like I really liked Val Kilmer in heat. I'm not against Val Kilmer. He's pretty good in this, but some of the other side characters aren't that good. Um, Ooh, and so t- Dana Delaney. I like her. No, I don't recognize that name right off the bat. Let me let me give it a quick peek. Okay, she was on. Uh, um, what's it called? Uh, Desperate Housewives. Oh, I, I think see. Also, Showgirls. Okay, I honestly, this is going to sound very sexist, but I have not paid attention to any of the female characters. But she, looking at her now, she does play the the main female character in Tombstone, and, and she's okay so far. I'm sure, I'm sure she gets better. I'll I'll keep watching and report back next time. Um, so talking about the thing leads into oh. she may not be she may not be good at acting. Okay, she's she's mildly hot in this. It's it's nothing to to write home about. Um, so talking about the thing that leads into the next one. Do you have a favorite sci-fi? or fantasy or horror movie like that. It doesn't have to be like the thing, but um, any of those genres, do you have one that sticks out as your nostalgic favorite? Mm. Well, I'll tell you something I don't really like very much. Okay. I really am not into the alien um, movies. Alien or aliens. Yeah. Alien was, I totally agree, man. Alien is so overrated, man. I mean, it is it. All of the things that we hate about alien are because they were all the first time they were ever used. And then they were, reused forever and ever in films over and over again but i wish i could have seen alien you know debut weekend in theaters i'm sure i would have a different uh different respect for it but watching it now for the first time i'm just like the hype is ridiculous and i don't oh, feel I've that way for you oh what's your favorite um 
I love the the Riddick series. Oh, I know I've seen them, but I don't think I've ever actually like sat down and watched them. You know, cover to cover. Um, yeah, are there those two are, or three? Those are awesome. There's three of them. I know they are awesome. Like, man, the atmosphere, and of course, Vin Diesel is actually like super cool in those. I could, I definitely vibe with that pick. That that's a cool one. I'm gonna have to like, like I said, sit down and actually watch it because the times I've watched it, it's just been like on TV and I've tuned in and it looks very, very badass. So I'm excited to hear you give well, the, it kind of the stamp. The first one is called Pitch Black. So yes, that one's sometimes people might not know it's part of it. Oh, I see. Yes, I, I'm pretty sure I was familiar. So. I will definitely dive in. That's cool. Um, is that a is that a movie you caught in theaters, or do you remember just kind of catching up on that at some point? Oh no, I I always thought it was going to be trash for so right. many years, and then um, I caught one on like cable TV or something, and it was really awesome. And I was like, oh god, I'm going to watch all three of these. That's badass, man. We had like almost the same experience, but you just took it that next step that I probably should have. So. I uh, I am due, and I will do that. Um, besides the thing being one of my favorite uh, sci-fi, I guess it's kind of sci-fi. I don't know, but fantasy-wise, I'm I'm a big big sucker for the Lord of the Rings. I think that those three movies were absolutely killer, and I rewatched them on a semi-regular basis, which is probably unhealthy. But I, I love all twelve hours of the the Lord of the Rings movies. I like them oh, too. Lord. Oh lordy, Charlotte is is halfway through Frozen, and Olaf just had a carrot shoved through his face, and Charlotte just can't get enough of that. No. <laughs> Talking about you on the pod, huh? Yeah. All right. How about so we talked Bo Jackson, we talked a couple other sporting stuff. Is there a sporting event or moment or game or whatever that's your favorite of all time? Whether you were there or you just watched it on TV, yeah, I mean, we we probably talked about it, but I was Did there we? both week, both weeks for the the um, the kick six and the miracle of Jordan Hare, and it was like I couldn't. I mean, nothing can top that for me. I mean, it didn't matter that we weren't winning a title or anything like that. It was. It was the most insane circumstances two weeks in a row. And I was just, I can't believe that entertainment was there for me live. <laughs> That's right, man. Was that, uh, did you have to pay for tickets or did you get some from your parents? Yeah, we, we get season tickets. Oh, dude, not only was the entertainment there for you, but it was free, man. Yeah. unbelievable dude i i i was gonna say a couple other things but when you brought up i was unfortunately not there for the jordan and uh and um uh, miracle of jordan hair i was not there for that georgia game i was watching it with some friends and it was it was very exciting but it was not the same as being absolutely devastated that we choked a huge lead and then we got that fourth and 20 or whatever it was Oh, it was amazing. But I was there for the Iron Bowl and man, absolutely unreal, incredible, definitely the best sporting event all time. 
Agreed. How about how about favorite pizza, man? What uh, what toppings do you like? Is there a specific restaurant you go to? What's your favorite pizza? So, I I like pizza a lot, but it's for some reason for me, it's just a snack. It can't be a meal. It's a snack. It could be like with a meal or like before a meal, but I'm gonna need some some melons. Like like what what else like you would want like a hamburger on the side like with it or what oh, what man. Means, like, I mean a hamburger is like a whole meal but sure I guess maybe <laughs> I, I mean, could what put the hamburger you, on the pizza like what can, <laughs> like what can you put with pizza though like to make it more of a meal like a like does a salad get you there or like do you just, need like just I I mean I guess in a in a ideal situation one that doesn't exist. You would have like an entree and you would have a few sides and Um, one of those sides would be like a big slice of pizza. So like that entree is like a steak dinner. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you're having a steak dinner and it's like, Hey, can I sub that baked potato for two slices of pepperoni pizza? Yeah. In a fantasy world. Yeah. (laughs) bro, That is one of the most hot, hottest takes I've ever heard. That you want pizza as a side option in in a restaurant with your entree? Well, I would love that, but that's really not the statement I'm making. All I'm saying here (laughs) is my favorite pizza is cheese. What? Yeah, I want a cheese pizza. I want cheese pizza. I want you to get the crust and the bottom. Right. I want you to do your best and give me what's the right pizza. What what is right for you? Well crispy? The the perfect pizza is thin and crispy. Yeah, I yes. agree. Um <laughs> so really, and, so really you like cheesy bread with your steak dinner. That's what you like as your pizza. Yeah, but cheesy bread doesn't have pizza sauce in, in between. Oh, uh, that's a good call. That's a good call. And it's not nice and nice and flat and crispy and yeah, it's that is that is borderline. I I don't judge a man, but that is insane, JP. That you that that you won't go to like a Domino's or like a you know a pizza parlor and get a pizza as your lunch or dinner. That's just exceptional, nope. man. It's weird, but <laughs> that is weird, man. Because mine is literally the exact opposite, dude. Like my favorite pizza is easily a supreme pizza with every damn thing on it and also thin, crispy crust. And the only place that I've ever had it that did it perfect is this place actually in St. Louis. And it's very famous, but, you know, they have not expanded their operation. It's called Emo's. And thank God. My parents, when they drive up from Alabama, they go through St. Louis and they snag this dank ass supreme thin crust Emo's pizza, man. So that is that is hilarious that our pizzas could not be any more opposite than each other's. That that makes me laugh so much. Well, I uh, I think I've got a question on mine about what where your favorite pizza place is or something. Let me see. All right, all right, we'll see what we got did down I, there. Or did you already do? No, never mind. That's best frozen pizza. Never mind. Ooh, that is a whole nother ball game. So we'll definitely have a different choice for that. How about 
favorite road trip gas station food or drink? Like you're you're taking a trip over to Florida, maybe maybe you're going all the way out to Cali if you've done that ever. You're on a big road trip. You get some gas and you're feeling some snacky. What are you diving into at the gas station? Okay. Well, I I don't drink like like the only things that I drink are like uh, water and beer. Like that's it. So I'm I'm totally with you. Sugary drinks and energy drinks, I I despise. So I am with you there. So I'm gonna get a water. And I think smart waters are pretty tasty. Agreed. Um, grab one of those. And if I'm in the South, then maybe there's a, a rack of golden flake potato chips. Oh. And I might take a, a bag of sweet heat because Ooh. those are pretty good. Golden Flake is incredibly underrated. I, I agree with you. It would not be my pick, but I I feel you. If the Golden Flake bag happened to be in my shotgun seat, it would be gone by the time I'm, I'm wherever I need to be. So completely agree, and you definitely need that big-ass water to, to combo. Not a bad pick. I personally am a horrific sweet tooth, and I can't help myself. And one of my favorites is the peanut M&M. So I, I snag the big ass water and whatever the largest thing of peanut M&Ms I can find. And those make me so happy. I don't think that they're actually like the best candy. Like if you go head to head peanut M&M versus like something like a Snickers, a Snickers is technically tastier, but a Snickers is going to like, I'm going to chomp that bitch in like two to three bites max. And it's going to be toast. Whereas at least the peanut enum can somewhat like force yourself to behave and, you know, take your time a little bit. And so it provides a little longer lasting uh, exploration. So I snag the, the peanut M&Ms in the big old water. All right. This one, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to answer this. I'm going to have to think on the fly. So this is a tough one, but I wanted to bring it back to football. So if there if you could change any rule about football, what would you change? Um, uh, doesn't NFL, NFL have ties? Uh, yes. Right now they do one overtime, and if it's tied at the end of overtime, it stays tied. Yeah, that's, that's trash. So you think they should just be first, first score? It could be... You know, tomorrow it could be all week, but whoever scores first, they're going to pull out the win. I mean, it works in college football. I I totally agree. I think ties are absolute shit. And I, uh, it's, it's one of those things about capitalism that makes me so pissed off. Like, dude, it's like figure it out. Like with MLB, I I'm not saying I'm totally against it, but you know, in baseball, Either this year or last year, they implemented the after whatever innings, they automatically put a player on second to basically ensure that at least some team is going to score. So it cuts down the extra innings. And I get it. Like, 
you know, the stadium clears out after 1130 at night, regardless of the game's over. So you're losing revenue and people are stopping watching on TV. But I don't care, man. You, you finish that shit. Like, this is NFL. There's only there were only 16 games. There's going to be 17 games. There's got to be a win loss. That's that's a great choice, man. I think if I, this is going to be much stranger, but I was just kind of thinking about it. And if you've played any fantasy football with me, you know how much I despise kicking in fantasy football and regular football. I think I think it leads to some cool like last minute things. Obviously, we just talked about the kick six as the greatest sporting event of all time, but still I kind of despise kicking in general. So I wonder if there's any way that we can just like remove that from the game. Like, can you force going for it on fourth down? Um, maybe punting is allowed or like, or at least do something more badass like with rugby where you have to do like drop kicks and stuff. I don't know. I think, I think we need to figure out kicking to some better degree. It's, it's not there for me right now. So might I'd have, have to, to name it. Shit. You might have to, if, if we don't use the foot at all, you might have to change the name. You're right, man. That's a great call. All right. Well, those are my questions. How about, uh, how about you spin it backwards towards me, man? What do you got? Um, all time bad beat for fantasy. That's a, that's a really fucked up question, man. That is, that is digging really hard right into my heart, dude. And, and this pod will know this bad beat because it happened just last year. Live on pod, I was going for my back-to-back championship in my main league. You know, multiple hundreds of dollars were at stake, but even better than that was pride. Back-to-back championships, man. Like, that is a rare feat in a, in a league where, you know, at least nine out of ten players take it quite seriously. And I had it, dude. I had the championship. And then, and it was, and it was a two week championship. Like, you know, if it was a one weeker and you lose your championship week, okay. But in a two week championship and I have it and I literally need Stefan Diggs to not put up something like 18 points in a half PPR. I mean, that's a very good game. It's, it's definitely within Stefan Diggs range of outcomes, but it's the odds are in my favor and I'm feeling good. And it was that damn Monday night, week 16 or whatever, last week. And he goes up and puts up like two touchdowns, over 100 yards, like 10 catches, just blows me out of the water. And it still hurts, man. It still hurts. I had it. How about you, brother? What was your worst fantasy beat? That was mine too. Oh, we were there together, dude. We both, we both had the chip. And Stefan, I think if I recall correctly, that that in your league, first of all, I think your league was a full PPR, and maybe you were you were winning by less. So you yours was more like a 50-50, I feel like going into the game, but it's still we both had the chip taken out from under us from Stefan Diggs, man. God damn it. All right. 
how about number two? Let's 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 rebound. Let's let's get back to positivity. Favorite David Lynch movie. So we tore through his catalog and yeah, we watched all of them. So I almost feel bad. Like, you know, you want to like I almost want to sound cool and not say Blue Velvet, but I, I legitimately think that Blue Velvet is the most complete movie. I think that it has enough absurdity to still be incredibly engaging, but it's it's just the most well-rounded, like it's got the most dynamic um character arcs and like themes and stuff it's just maybe maybe i'm just too sucked into hollywood and so i'm used to that but it feels the most like if i went into a theater i i could see it at a theater and be like wow that was pretty weird but i'm definitely down for watching it with some popcorn and you know friends and stuff um i think a racer head like if i'm really feeling super cool I would say Eraserhead because it's so it really is what I love, man. Like it's so quirky and intense and I I love that movie so much, but I recognize that it has some, it has some serious amateur flaws that I, I do still see as flaws as much as I love them. And then honestly, I, you know, you know, you asked me for my favorite and I'm going to say three and that's, that's cheating, but I do have a soft spot in my heart for wild at heart, man. I don't know why, but that Nick Cage flick, like it is, it is pretty bad at some parts, but when it's good, it's good. And like the highs are high. And, and I walked out of that movie being like, that was pretty cool, man. I I liked a lot of that. So those are probably my top three, but I think blue velvet takes the cake as like the just go to high quality movie. How about you, man? My favorite one's Eraserhead. It used to be Blue Velvet, but after digging into Eraserhead, that was just the juiciest thing that that we messed with. I, I loved learning about it and how it took six years to make and everything. I could probably just watch it again and again and just laugh and laugh. It is, it is a more fun ride for sure. It, it is a giggle fest. Blue Velvet is just too dark to be giggling too much. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like if I were to sit down right now, I probably wouldn't want to watch Blue Velvet. It, it takes a bit of stamina to build up, but I could chow through a racer at, at any given any day of the week for sure. It's, it's very enjoyable. Um, all right. All right. So what's the best food city that you've ever been to so i'm going to give this a twofer right here so my the best food that i've ever had i think happened in a city in china called Chengdu, which is a town it's a very large city but it's probably not heard of by most westerners it is out in the kind of midwest of china it's most famous for its pandas but its food is also extremely famous for being very spicy. And so they really basically take any meats or vegetables and either dip it in very, very spicy oil or stir fry with some very, very spicy spices. And it just absolutely lit me up and showed me a culinary experience that I never had had before. Like, I've had extreme American spice 
like at a wing stop, you know, I've had like the death wings or whatever. And that's just, that's pure pain. That doesn't do it for me from a edible standpoint, but this Chinese city combined that heat with incredible flavor and left me feeling just so satisfied and the beers and wow, it was incredible. But I will say, I want to mention, you know, I mentioned Italy as one of my favorite, probably my favorite spot I've ever been to. And I, I wanted to taste all of the tastes of Italy when I was there, but I happened to be broke as hell when I was over there. Like my parents paid for me to get over there and they gave me some, some spending money, but it was not nearly enough to like eat out for every meal, which is what you have to do when you're traveling for six weeks. And so I completely slummed it with the cheapest of the cheap food. Like I would unfortunately go to Burger King very often. And when I did do Italian food, it was like, I would get a very large base. This would be your favorite, man. I would get a very large basic cheese pizza and their pizzas are incredible, but it's still a cheese pizza. So and I would just look through these menus and just salivate, man, at, at the words that I was seeing that I unfortunately really never got to enjoy. So I want to say that that's the best city, the best food city that I visited, but did not get to actually taste. How about you, man? What's your best food city? Um, I haven't been a lot, a lot of places. I haven't, I'm probably not as well traveled as you. I've, I've been to Denver and Miami and Atlanta, and those are my favorite food cities. Um, but I, I think that Atlanta just has more to offer than both of those other cities. Um, Miami has the certain like niche cultural food that the other two don't have. Um, but yeah, there's, such a wealth of of food in Atlanta. I don't know if people really realize. That's such a good call, man. Honestly, when I read your question, I feel bad because you're right, dude. Diversity and variability are so important. And I, I mean, there's probably extreme variability in Italian foods. I'm not saying that, but man, there's something special about America, large American cities like Atlanta, like New York City, like Los Angeles, where there's just, it's not only that you can probably find cuisine from almost every country in the world, but that could actually be good. Like they're good restaurants. Um, do you typically, so like when you, if you were to explore from on a culinary basis, like Atlanta, do you typically, is there like a price range that you're trying to dive into? Like, do you like to, to dabble in the fine dinings or do you keep it more like, ethnic and but you know wallet friendly or how do you like to explore um i don't know i mean i like everything i'll just tell you this what i've been liking in atlanta recently are these uh these like uh market areas where it's like it's like a lot of different places that you can eat Ooh. and they're all in uh it's almost like just imagine like a food court at a mall but there's no mall Ooh. or something like that do you get what i'm saying i absolutely do and i i know that atlanta has i know that's becoming even hotter and hotter since i've left 
I know I knew of two or three at the time of my leaving, and they were all exceptionally good. Yeah, I love going to stuff like that. So there is specifically, I don't know if you've ever been, there is specifically a Chinese food court. Um, I think it's in the northeast side of town. And it's got about 10 separate Chinese restaurants that are all tucked together in a food court fashion. Um, highly, highly recommend going there. And if you don't understand any of the uh, you know, words, just like point at pictures and you will have a very, very good time. It is, it is awesome. Well, all right. To tell me what the name of that is. I will definitely send. I can't remember what it's called. I have to send you off pod and maybe I'll post it in the pod description, but hit that shit up. It is. I think most of the restaurants, at least when I left were cash only. I'm guessing that they've probably upgraded to at least your phone, but who knows? Bring cash just in case. All right, man. What's up? All right. So I like to eat oysters. What's your favorite way to eat oysters? I do love oysters as well. I can still remember the very first time I had oysters happened to be at a Auburn tailgate when I was probably 12 or so. So I had been in Auburn for a couple of years by that point, went to the tailgate, didn't really know anybody. And it was, it was my mom's work tailgate. And one of her coworkers had a huge thing of oysters I don't know if it, I li- I really don't know if it was for a specific game or not at the time because I didn't care about Auburn football at that time. But you know, as like an adult, you kind of want to gag the kids, and he knew that a raw oyster was about to taste like ass to to my twelve year old self. So, but you know, I wanted to look cool, so I tried it. And man, for a twelve year old, that shit felt huge and slimy and watery, and I didn't really like know what to do with that shit and so i i don't even know if i like actually chewed it or if i just straight up downed that bitch but i walked away feeling very stunned about what had just happened and yeah that was pretty gross but in the last you know 10 years or so ever since growing up i do love oysters a lot i think it's a very i think it's easy to get wrong like a lot of the oysters sold in my opinion are maybe they're just not for me but I think that they're way too salty and sometimes they even have a little too much grit in them. And I'm not a fan of grit. Like, you know, if you get scallops that are gritty, that's, that's a big no, no for me, but when they're right, they're so right. I love a a great oyster and I, I really only eat them just straight up raw with a cracker, like a saltine or two. Um, I I've had them, I've had baked oysters and I think they're okay. I've had, fried oysters and i think it's i think it's almost a bit of a waste like i i would much rather fry some fish uh, which is you know you're not wasting as much i think a raw oyster is is kind of the right way to go man but i i don't look down on anybody else on any other methods what's your favorite um i like baking them i think raw is a little bit plain um I don't know. I don't think I can eat like more than like four or five raw before it starts feeling like, I don't know, just a little gross, but I can eat tons of baked ones. And I have you you baked them yourself. And yeah, I'm really, I'm pretty good at baking them. Um, 
I'll I'll buy like a half bushel, and That's my brother holler. will come over and we'll we'll shuck all of them. I'm definitely and, gonna have to holler at you when I come down. That sounds killer, man. Yeah, we love doing that. So you bake them and what? You do like a little hot sauce or maybe a little cheese or just straight up? Um, it depends on what we're making that night. If we're gonna do Rockefeller, right? And you know, kind of what that's like. It's like a little yeah. bit of bacon and spinach. Mm. Um, some nights we might do like a spicy one, but uh, people can apply hot sauce when they want to. I don't. I don't like sure. any hot sauce. Oh, okay. Um, I still put some lemon on, like even with the cheese and everything else. So that's a good call. I love some lemon. Yeah, I mean, even though I said that raw is my favorite, I'm not slamming raw oysters like as a meal. You know, it's always going to be that appetizer where I, I'm going to, like you said, I'm going to do four or five tops and be satisfied. I'm certainly not one of those guys who's going to go into, you know, a crab shack and get, you know, tray upon tray of raw oyster and, and be satisfied. Like that's, that's not it for me. But so if I were just going to have a meal, you know, I would go for a, a cooked version of some kind, whether it's fried or baked. But uh, yeah. my preference it, is to have them in small batches. Would it be part of question number five, your dream beach day? I don't think so. I mean, I, I do like oysters, but honestly, I guess it's just my experiences is that I I have had oysters more in fine dining restaurants and not like beach bars. Like that's um, that's not really where I go for the oysters. I'm not saying that that's wrong. I, I could be missing out totally, but when I've had oysters and they've been very good, it's been like I've been in Birmingham at a fine dining restaurant. You know what I'm saying? So, but to get into a, a dream beach day, first off, I do love the beach so much. I, I used to hate the beach as a kid and even into my teens, because I think there were a lot of reasons why I hated the beach. I think first off, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where there's not a beach to be seen for many a mile. So I did not grow up with beaches the only exposure I really had to beaches was watching Jaws, and that scared the shit out of me. So I, I really did not like beaches. When we moved down to Auburn, we would go down to Destin and, and whatever for a while, and, and I hated it, man. Like, I just wanted to get back on my Game Boy as quick as possible. So that was that was a missed opportunity for me because nowadays, you know, last 10 years or whatever, I love the beach so much. And, you know, I like I like getting in the water when it when it's the right temperature and whatnot but really i just love frying myself on the beach and just roasting like i'll put a little you know sunblock on so i don't die but i literally just want to put on a huge uh, a very dark sunglasses and a towel and hopefully have water or beers that are cold in the vicinity and just straight up die on the beach man like i want my muscles to feel like they've been in the oven at at 500 and being roasted um so that's basically my dream day no kids the kids are being taken care of and it's just me and and hopefully the wife and we're just maybe i have a book there if if there happens to be a cloud come by that i can you know look at a book and and honestly i i think a lot of it is the the vibe. So I, I like a beach that's kind of mildly packed with other people. Like I don't want it to be a damn concert festival, but I also don't want it to be one of those like mid December days where, you know, you might see some retired folks walking by every now and then I want there to be some activity, whether it's people playing some, you know, paddle ball or whatever, like 
good vibes to be had all around music being played in the background. I just wanted to be almost communal. Not that I'm like actually doing anything with other people, but just people watching. That's, that's kind of my dream beach day. How about you, man? Well, um, my dream beach day, I get up pretty early we set up the chairs and then we do breakfast, hit, hit the beach pretty early, take beers. Um, we're hitting up beers, getting, you know, a little tipsy towards, towards lunchtime. Lunch rolls around. We've got some beach food option, like a tiki bar or something. I can grab a sandwich at, um, do that for a little while we keep on drinking then pack up maybe hit a nap or something like that um and i always like to go hit a a night spot some 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 place to get some some dinner we were talking about the oysters i love to get like 24 um baked oysters it's it's my favorite that's what's up. I I was thinking like that's a good call to include more of the day itself. I was thinking just at the beach, but I will say after I'm dead and like I'm like if I stand up, I might crumple back over. Once I'm there, I do like to try my very best to crawl to whatever the closest like not crab shack, but like a, a indoor restaurant where the windows are all open and it's basically an outdoor restaurant and get some serious grubbing, whether that's like, I kind of like uh, fry, uh, shrimp po' boys is kind of a, like, I like po' boys. I like uh, like soft shell crab is really tasty. Um, I'm kind of a big fried seafood fan. So that's what I like to recharge on and then get right back out there and die again in the afternoon. A little nap at the hotel does not hurt for sure. So I think you, I think you laid it out and now I'm just, incredibly envious and upset that i'm up here in minnesota right now although to be honest minnesota (laughs) is absolutely beautiful like it's it's like high 70s low 80s here it's wonderful so no complaining all right man speaking of minnesota is is there any foods that any local minnesota foods that you've uh come across the only thing First off, so the place I'm at is Rochester. It's a town of about 60,000 people. The food here is absolutely atrocious. It is ridiculous how bad the food here is. There is no ethnicity. All of the American food is just run-of-the-mill garbage, and I'm super disappointed. So once I've gotten that off, the only local foods I've really had is not even stuff that was cooked for me, but I did get some local uh, rainbow trout, which like this is the city, you know, the state of 10,000 lakes. And there's also a lot of rivers. Fishing is a huge lifestyle here. And the trout is supposed to be like world-class. So I bought some and cooked them myself. And it was very, very tasty. Definitely not going to disagree with that. But um, I am disappointed, man. I thought... I thought moving up here, like I was going to find more German and kind of Eastern European influence. And I think those exist, but I just have not hit those spots. You know, like I haven't unfortunately gone on too many adventures. So I, I have not dived into the locale um, 
enough, but you know, give me, give me another three or four years till the kids are finally grown up and hopefully I can uh, dive out there. Um, it is, I, I'm really disappointed, but thankfully I, I do love to cook for myself and I feel like I cook pretty well, so it's okay. But I absolutely miss that, that Alabama goodness, man. God damn it. Um, I guess I, I can't really spin that question back to you, but if you want to answer in any way you want or move on to the next one, I'll leave it to you. Um, I was just going to say one time I was seeing a girl from Minnesota and she made me this thing called a Minnesota hot dish. And it was like the, it was pretty. So here's what it was. It was like, she's like sauteed some ground beef. I don't know if she added anything to it. And then there it was like a casserole with a layer of ground beef, a layer of canned peas and carrots, and then uh, tater tots on top. Okay. And there was cheese involved. I mean, I'm sure that is horrible. legit. It wasn't horrible, <laughs> but like, I don't know. It's like a it's like a Midwestern shepherd's pie kind of thing. I yeah. I have not seen it here. Like I haven't seen it at any restaurants, but again, I have not explored very much. I'm sure it's totally legit. It sounds exactly like the shit people would eat here. No, no offense, but it, it's just so bland around here, man. Like people it, <sighs> all right. That was a frustrating question. Let's let's move to the next one. I'm upset now. Okay. Um, <laughs> favorite restaurant ever. Oh, so man, I mean, so restaurant, like there's atmosphere, you know, ambiance. Like I'm, I'm a fan of all those views, but to be best food. Yeah. But to be quite honest, like 99% of a restaurant for me is the food. So it's gotta be the best food. And maybe this is like shitty, but my favorite food in the world are chicken wings, which I know is so basic, but chicken wings, if I, if I just had one food to eat the rest of my life, it would definitely be chicken wings. I think they're so versatile. They're absolutely scrumptious. They're not that healthy, but they're not horrifically bad. Um, yeah, they're just total fire. And I, I really think the best wings I've ever had are actually in Auburn at Moe's barbecue where they have smoked chicken wings um, and they're just smoked heavy and they provide that dank Alabama white sauce on the side. It's just exceptional, man. And, and they happened, I don't know if they still do it, but they happened when I lived there to do 50 cent wings, uh, I think on Monday nights. And yeah. if you know anything about wings, man, like wings are, have gotten expensive. Like that's the lobster of the chicken right now. And so I'm, I'm guessing they probably don't do that anymore, but to, to literally rack up like 20, 30 wings for, you know, two or three meals and, and pay 10, 15 bucks for, I'm serious. Like probably the best food I've ever had. I, it was, it was the highlight of my life for sure. I, I loved it so much, man. I know that that is so, <laughs> un, that is so uncultured to say that smoked chicken wings and white sauce is the best, but it for real is dude. All right, man. Let me spin it back to you. Favorite restaurant slash dish. All right. Well, my my favorite is the Irritable Bow over there in downtown Auburn. That whoa, that is, 
What? The the Chinese um Balza bun restaurant. Yeah, I mean they do all kinds of different types of food, but See, yeah. that place had just opened up when I left. I went by there one time and there was a line out the door, so I never got to taste it. So give me a little walkthrough and teaser of your history with that place and what why you love it so much. Oh, well, I mean, I've been going there for years, uh, not in that location, but they started out as a food truck. Right. And uh, then they got a little brick and mortar over there by goalposts. Uh, back in the day, they would open at seven o'clock in the morning, which was perfect for me. I go to work at seven and I really have no time to stand in line in the middle of the day while I'm at work. So, because that's what you have to do. You have to stand in line because it's so popular, but, uh, yeah, I, I would go at 7am, get my bow, go to work. Um, uh, yeah, the guy, Whitley, he's from Auburn, I believe. Yep. I think he met his wife on a mission trip uh, in China. Um, came back, found out she's an amazing cook, and the rest is history. Um, but yeah, like some of the stuff that comes out of there is just like world class and got to represent. What, what are some of the dishes? Well, my favorite bow that they do is the bow and arrow. And it uses the brisket and the smoked turkey from bow and arrow restaurant in Mm it. Um, And the sauce that he has, it's like a a soy sauce mixture, a Mm. blend. Mm. And he sells it bottled, but it comes with your bow and it's called... He calls it chunky brown water and God, the chunky brown water is so amazing. So you dunk Um, the, you dunk the bow into the sauce. Yeah. Oh my God. There's something I really love. The summertime sessy nudes. It's a, it's a, um, a cold dish. It's like a, a sesame noodle. Mm-hmm. thing with like chili oil and you you can buy a bunch of them and throw them in the fridge and just pull them out as the week goes and mm. god they are delicious um anyway i could go on and on about about irritable bow that's what's up man i'm I'm really excited for you to say that because when it was when it was opening the at least the brick and mortar stop you know i don't know i i had a a negative reaction because I felt like it was kind of, you know, Americanizing the, the authentic Chinese food. Like I get, I know that the owner's wife and the chef is, is authentically Chinese, but I just have a harsh relation toward like, you know, obviously I hate what America has historically done to Chinese food, like the Chinese foods that pop up in every little, gas station stop along the highway. Like I hate those so much. I mean, I like the food. It tastes good, but it just sucks what's happened. And so when I saw that this white guy and, you know, I, I will not shy away that I am very against Christianity and that it was a missionary trip that kind of spun me the wrong way too. Maybe that's, that's bad. That's, I know that's a bias on my part, 
But I was like, damn it, dude. Like this, this white Christian guy is capitalizing on this Chinese food and like naming it hipster American stuff. Like it really rubbed me the wrong way, but I'm glad that the food itself is, is that hot fire because like I said, that's the most important thing. So I try not to yeah, hate when, mm-hmm. when they had opened, they had already been going for a while. Um, kind of building up, like I said, from, from the food truck to the, to where they're at. Um, that is what's not, up. Not all of the stuff is Americanized like that uh, bow and arrow. Like they do like, uh, they do like more traditional ones. And mm-hmm. if I'm being honest, those are the ones I'm not as interested in. Um, except for the Chinese curry one, that one, that one's delicious. Mm. I'm not saying it's wrong. And like, I think it's great that there's, that there is culture in Auburn. I mean, Auburn has some decent authentic Chinese food already, but I don't know. I'm just expressing my bias and I recognize that it's, it's probably bad and, and not good. So, uh, all right. That's awesome that you're diving in where we both chose Auburn restaurants as our favorite food in the world. That is, that's kind of incredible. All right, let's, let's keep going. Okay. Well, I see that we both have probably about the same uh, opinion on frozen pizza here. A cheap cheeser. Give me like, we do. Give me like a um, Totino's party pizza, a dollar 20. Dude, if and- I can be completely honest, I eat so few frozen pizzas that I don't even know name brands. Like I will, I will buy whatever. I, I won't buy literally the cheapest thing in the world because I've had those and they taste like plastic, but I will go. I'm thankful enough that Rochester does have a Trader Joe's. I like Trader Joe's quite a bit. It's honestly not even that expensive. And Trader Joe's just has like a very, very standard frozen cheese pizza that that I snag up. So I, I don't even know the brands, man, because I eat, I eat frozen cheese pizza like once or twice a year, to be honest. Well, you need to give Totino's party pizza a chance. It is, it's that dirt cheap thing and it's crispy and, and flavorful and it's a dollar 20. How is, how is, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm excited to try it and I definitely will try it, but how is party pizza just cheese? Like party pizza to me says like, something flashy is on the pizza it can't just be a cheese pizza <laughs> no that's just the name of it but no that they have uh they have a sausage one if you want that no nah, i would like i said it, i think so there's I a pepperoni the, one so what i wrote in the doc is that, and this is something that my mom actually taught me is that you know the toppings that come on frozen pizza just suck ass man like it's as high quality as any as the rest of the pizza so it's bad. And so I basically buy the frozen pizza because I want that, that crust that you cannot replicate at home and the sauce and cheese just happens to come on it. And then I slap some, some, you know, I don't want to sound bougie, but I slap some fancy stuff on it, you know, whether it's like some anchovy or some artichoke heart or, you know, regular stuff like some chicken or bell pepper, like I'll load that bitch up with some of my own fresh ingredients and make that thing pop. So that's what, that's what I do, but I'm guessing you just keep it straight cheese. Yeah. I'm just a cheese boy. And so you, so you've gotten the Totino's pizza 
uh, party pizza. What what are you partnering with, with, man? Like you said, you need a meal on the side. What are you? Are you snagging? Are you putting uh, irritable just, bowel with? <laughs> no, dude, that's just something you do in between meals. You, you hit up. Oh, that dollar. You it's hit like up that dollar twenty. It's like that three in the afternoon on a Saturday, and you slap a frozen pizza in the oven. Yeah, that's it. Damn, that's baller, man. I I have I have never lived that lifestyle, and I'm jealous. Frozen right. is done. Should we watch a little more? Wow, Charlotte is getting the 1030 treatment right now, which is, I don't think this has ever happened. So, man, and on a school night, the the pod is is doing some naughty things. So, but I'm I'm cool yeah. with it. All right, keep going. All right. This is awesome. Uh, dr- drink of choice. I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you mine. I I I usually pick Paps Blue Ribbon, but um, Coors Light and Michelob Ultra are a close second. I know those are like trash beers and stuff, but like that's just what my body agrees with. That's what I could drink. I don't blame you, man. I, if I were like actually a drinking person and I, like if I was on that beach, like you talked about. That's absolutely what I would go with. I would probably actually go with like Corona or I don't know, Dos Equis, something like that. But I would definitely go with a light beer just to like chow through, you know, six, seven throughout the course of the, the morning or afternoon or whatever. So I'm totally with you. But if I just like have a beverage, I'm not going there at all. That's I don't go there for flavor. And I would go with some I would go with a strong beer which typically is like a stout. I really like stouts a lot, but honestly, my favorite kind of beer is called a black IPA, which I don't know exactly what that is, but it tastes like the mixture of an IPA and a stout. So it has the body the body of a stout, but that sharp bitterness of an IPA and it completely does it for me. The problem is, is that it's like not a lot of breweries do it. And so getting fresh beer of that has been really challenging. So I almost never have it um, because I am kind of a stickler that I want my beer to have been made within the past like three or four months. So it's still got that pop to it. But if I had like a choice, like if I'm in jail, it's last meal, I would say, bitch, get it, get me that freshly brewed black IPA, man. It kills it. Sounds interesting. It is very interesting. I I don't know if it actually is like, it's definitely, if you like uh, light beers, it's not going to be in that ballpark, but it's worth experimenting, man. Try that shit. I'll try the party pizza. You find yourself a black IPA sometime. All right. Um, What's your favorite fast food chain? Oh. Well, in Auburn, I would have said Chick-fil-A because Chick-fil-A, I know it's basic as shit, but that shit is so damn fire to me still. Like, and if I'm going to go with to Chick-fil-A, I'm going to get that spicy deluxe, no pickle, large waffle fry, Chick-fil-A sauce. Maybe if I'm feeling a little interesting, I'll get honey mustard or barbecue sauce for the fries. Maybe a little mayonnaise, 
and I will get an absolutely monstrously large cherry Coke to tie it all off. I know I said that I'm not a sweet, sweet drink or energy drink fan, but when the time is right, man, cherry Coke is that absolute fire that with that spicy, that spicy deluxe and the large fry. Oh my God. It is so hard to beat. But after having moved to the Midwest, this is, I, I've heard that this is coming to Auburn and might actually already be in Auburn, but it was not at the time that I was there. And having moved to the Midwest and having learned about Culver's, Culver's is that absolute fire, dude. Holy crap. It is like, it's everything I want in a fast food place, man, because, because the one negative with Chick-fil-A is that it's chicken, dude. And I prefer that beef patty. I want that burger, bro. And so I, I would hit up five guys on the regular and I like five guys a lot, but it, it feels like I'm going to weigh a thousand pounds after I leave five guys. It is so damn greasy and harsh. It tastes so good, but it, it's brutal on the palate and the tummy. But Culver's man with that butter burger, which I know sounds as greasy as possible. It's not, dude. I don't know what it is, but they they craft this burger with good lettuce and onion and tomato in that patty, and and their fries are their fries are not as good as Chick Fil A fries, but they're they're close. They're good. And then, dude, they've got these. They've got these, uh, they call them concretes, but they're really just a frozen, you know, frozen yogurt, or I guess, uh, you know, soft serve. And, you know, they mix in those Oreo tidbits or those Reese's, however you want it. And it's just as good as you could ever want from a McFlurry times 10. And God damn it. That Culver's is, oh, fantastic, bro. How about you? Best chain, best fast food. Um. I really like Chick-fil-A too. I think total package, they've got to be the best um, exceptional fast food out there. What are you ordering when um, you go? I get the spicy deluxe as well. That's that's what I get. Um, Bro, I feel I felt that kindred right there, man. You were because I was a little scared because you said you don't like any hot sauces, but you like the spicy deluxe. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't like vinegar. Ah, gotcha. Right. You, I but, can't have so, vinegar. So does that mean you do no pickle or is the vinegar from the pickle? Is it okay? Yeah, no pickle. Pickles are good. Bro, you do spicy deluxe no pickle like me? <laughs> but have you also, have you tried uh, the mac and cheese? I have not had Chick-fil-A's mac and cheese. It's pretty good. And if you mix some of their sweet and spicy sriracha. Oh, it tastes real nice. Dude, I'm having like a serious kindred moment with you right now. I have never met anybody else that does the spicy deluxe no pick, man. <laughs> really? I'm so stoked about that because I have some serious fond memories, man. Particularly, uh, you know, Auburn University, when I was there, 2008, 2013, they opened up the Chick-fil-A. And it was the most happening place. It was, it was unbelievably busy at all times of the day. And so it was impossible. But whenever I would go, if I could, you know, like a 3 p.m., maybe things have calmed down a bit, I'd go over there. And I swear to God, like half the reason I ordered that is because first off, if you ask for no pickle, this is shitty of me, but if you ask for no pickle, 
that means that they have to make you a fresh sandwich because you know all of the ones that they keep under the hot the the hot lamps the heat lamps those have the picks on them and i want my shit fresh and i also dude this is this is somewhat racist but the the cashiers were typically uh black ladies and the way they would say spicy deluxe no pick was my favorite shit in the entire world that i love so much to hear and and the order is just so right, dude. And I'm so happy that I finally met somebody. I never knew all these years that you were a fellow Spicy Lux No Pick brother. Yeah. That's fucking awesome, dude. I'm so excited. But I've not, I will try yeah. out the mac and cheese and I will mix it with some sweet and spicy sriracha. Yeah. But I also really like Milo's recently. I just found out about Milo's. So hold up, good. hold up. And you're doing you're doing water with that combo, or do you also dabble with a sweet drink? No, I'm just doing water. Yeah, I feel that. Milo's. Milo's I only know as a tea. Yeah. So it's a have it's a, a barbecue restaurant? No. Or no. Um it's a burger spot. We used to have oh. one in Auburn. It's it used to be where Chick-fil-A is, I think. Wow. When we were growing up, um, I think they probably got rid of it when we were like 13 or something. Milo's Burger and Tea. So where where are you able to grab it now? Do you have to go to Atlanta or something? Um, I've been hitting it up in Birmingham. Oh. It's a fast food joint. It's just, they've got, they used uh, fresh ground beef and it's just quite nice. They've got a really nice signature sauce. It's like a barbecue sauce. Mm. It comes on the burger. Mm. Um, they've got chicken tender, or not chicken tenders, chicken nuggets. Mm -hmm. And they're delicious. They, You know how when all the chicken nuggets look different. Oh, yeah. And you know, then that's the best. Because if they all look the same... Then you gotta be like, hmm. But if they're all every different shape and size, and they're all like heavily breaded and nice and crunchy, it's delicious. That's a good call, man. I mean, I I grew up, of course, with the McDonald chicken nugget, and I think maybe like three years ago or so, I was in the airport, and I decided to try to get nostalgic with it and see what's up. And that shit is total ass. And I will never have, I don't even know, honestly, if I'll ever have McDonald's again, like straight up, like the Big Mac is, is trash. The nuggets are garbage. Um, the fries, not, not even close to anything that should be serviceable. And I don't think I'll ever holler at a McDonald's again, dude. I don't know if that's a hot take, but never. I'm with you. I'm with you. That's what's up, man. That was fire. Uh, I saw there was an Olympic question. Do we want to skip? And we've been talking for a long time. But yeah, it's been quite a night. Let's just let's wrap it up. 1045, man. I I am probably more exhausted than my three-year-old, man. Good Lordy. But it was very, very fun, man. I it was great to learn about you. And uh, man, things are just going to start heating up on the fantasy front with with training camps and stuff like it's going to start getting a little hot and bothered, man. And I'm excited. I think 
at least when the season starts, we're going to have to start flirting with the idea of getting back to two episodes a week if we can if we can swing it. But uh, yeah, I can't wait to start talking about DFS. It's my favorite thing. Uh, I know. I, I've I've heard from people on the pod that say things like, you know, JP felt like he was a little tired or something, and I I always say like, bro, wait for DFS. This man straight up comes alive on Thursdays and Fridays for DFS. So I'm super yeah, stoked that, as well, man. It's 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 really tough when there's not DFS to think about. And it's really tough in the offseason when there's not any anything <laughs> on the line at all. Dude, we sound we sound so fucking privileged. Oh, it's just it's so tough, man, in the offseason. Uh, well, it's tough to it's tough to it's tough to sound uh, excited. You oh know? yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Yeah, but we will we will soldier on for a couple more weeks in the off season. We'll we'll find some fun stuff to do like this. Like I thought this was awesome. So we'll find other yeah. goodies, and we will uh, we'll see you next week, man. See ya. <laughs>